Doctor. Which is ugly! You should start. I want to forgive you, and I want to forget you. Welcome back to episode two of D-Girls, a fully developed pop culture podcast. I am one of your hosts, Julia. I'm Delaney. And I'm Tina. And we are your D-Girls. D-Girls in the house. D-Girls coming in hot. D-Girls revenge. That's right. Ooh. <laughs> That'll be, we'll be coming back to that. <laughs> um, so just as a little check-in this week, we thought it would be nice to sort of hear what show are you aligning with this week like what show would you fit in best with who you hanging out with what world are you in this week okay for me it's feeling like a little like out of body kind of week i feel like i am southern charm uh it is raining at the dog wedding where i'm like am i on earth right now it's also been (laughs) raining in la like it's been very gloomy weather so it just feels like i'm part of the rain circus that is a dog wedding. (laughs) that's great i love that it's fun it's weird uh, I'll be okay, you know, once the sun and you, comes back. And maybe you didn't wear the right outfit, you know? Yeah, like Everyone exactly. at my wedding was dressed improperly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Totally. It did look, I gotta say, miserable. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, but also, like, a fantasy of mine, for sure. I'm like, a dog wedding? Yeah, that sounds great. I would love to throw and attend that. Um, but it is also insane. And that's kind of how I feel. So, what about you, Julia? That totally resonates. I unfortunately do feel sort of like seasons one and two of Summer House where it was flopping. (laughs) No one was really watching. Um, I, I, you know, I'm still in a Summer House. Like, things are not that bad. Things are pretty good. Um, But I'm sort of Lauren Workus, which she is struggling, struggling sort of when she was caking Carl unfortunately <gasps> and this is a deep oh. cut this is a mm-hmm. deep cut for my wait did you here. have a watermelon incident sort of a watermelon incident it just i'm feeling a little sad i'm feeling a little needy you know i'm feeling like yeah. i need like a hug like i need a little love and attention basically feeling a little forlorn that's what i'll say um i'm i'm gonna be real basic this week but i have a good reason for it i I'm on Vanderpump Rules this week because I can't get it out of my head, but also because I'm really identifying with sort of the the power single women on the show and what they've been through. Like Lala and Katie are coming out of horrifically heartbreaking breakups, and yet they're really powering through Ariana now in real time experiencing this. I feel like I'm, I feel very kindred spirit to the energy of like, okay, we are one, we have been through, we can do hard things, um, that kind of energy, but also forging ahead. And I think I feel like they're all talking about how they're excited for Ariana's new chapter and how they're excited for their new chapters while also still clearly aching from the one that's ending. Totally. And um, that's very much resonating with me right mm. now. Aw, D-girls all in the Bravo universe. Bring it in. Yeah, yes. need a hug. <laughs> a warm virtual hug from mm-hmm. me to y'all and us to you. We will, we will. Cameras up. Cameras Breaking up. Breaking news. <laughs> hot off the press. Um, something that's been on our minds uh, is absolutely Kyle Cook and Amanda Batula's 
watch what happens live appearance, right? Yeah, I mean, yes. obviously, the the last episode we covered Scandaval, and there were just so many moments where you think, man, Kyle Cook is a lucky man that that Dumois about him cheating came out right before this absolute dumpster fire of a Vanderpump Rules scandal. So, yeah, there was a Dumois article, or item, I mean. Article. Uh, How dare you, boomer. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Jail. Someone else speak. I should be sentenced to life in prison so a do item that basically said cookie monster has been cheating um on amanda and he is a serial cheater so it also just aligns with kind of his history um but do we believe it oh gosh i'll be honest you know you put julie and i in such a hard position as we are Reluctant Kyle Cook lovers. I know. Yeah. Um, Baffling. (laughs) Sorry. It's, I believe that blonde men are polarizing and I just know which uh, pole I'm on. Oh, God. That's right. Oh, no. D girl, you get on that pole. Well, and I, I am like, I have never dated a blonde man. I don't. Like, it's not my thing, but Blonde Kyle with a mullet is... I just love... Yeah. I'm so grateful to him for the entertainment he brings into my home. <laughs> okay, all right, week. all right. Yeah. We get yeah. it. Y'all love him, but is yeah. he a cheater? Okay, here's the thing. I guess what what I mean to say with all of that is I was so anti-Kyle, like, you know, dragging Amanda all around Tarnation. Like, he put her through the ringer. But I've just grown to love him. And so for the sake of their marriage, for the sake of Amanda, I really hope it's not true. That being said, I tend to think one's a cheater, always a cheater in many ways. Uh, is that bad? No, unfortunately, we that's what him, I... Unfortunately, yeah. I think I kind of, I agree with the once a cheater, always a treat- cheater, but... I usually would say that within the relationship, if they cheated on you, they will likely cheat on you again. I wonder, mm. I, I don't know if I believe that if they cheated in another relationship and then you date them later, right. it's a new relationship, past situation. I don't know that I think they'll cheat. I think I do think it's like relationship specific perhaps, but I do in this scenario, Kyle has cheated on Amanda. Right. Multiple yeah. times. And also his mother admitted to, like, that. I always think about that. I think about the generational cheating occurring in the Cook family where his mom was like, well, I, your father, I told your father, I didn't think I could commit her. I would try. And I was like, oh. <laughs> okay. That shit really does get passed down. It is it wild. Um, yeah. I mean, you just mimic, right, what you grew up with. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, the Watch What Happens Live moment was really, like, interesting because clearly they were very much like, ugh, what a crazy rumor, what bullshit, you know, mm-hmm. like complete denial, both of them. Yeah. In a way where I was like, Amanda, I don't believe you. I don't believe that you're cool mm-hmm. and chill about this. Well, they tried to say, or I mean, they did say it was convenient timing with everything happening with Lindsay and Carl, like that kind of coming to light, which really, I mean, was kind of a tough watch, honestly. Um, Just so much like uh, private business made public aired out on the show. So Yeah. yeah, but they did. They had a very calm, united front. And again, I'm really hoping it's not true. I just think... It's not even so much about Kyle. It's just that I think we as women and as a society have learned that cheating is never about your partner. It's like mm-hmm. always about, yep. you know, an unresolved internal issue that the person cheating has. And so 
That's why I tend to think people repeat patterns. But I, oh boy, if you could see me, all my fingers and toes are crossed. I hope it's not true. Look, I, I hope mean, it's not true either. I, yeah. just, I just think that it might be. Right. But I think regardless, what feels clear is we're not going to see anything about it playing out in the show because they're not feeding into it. So no matter what, it's just going to, I think, and I think the thing is Kyle will remain someone that's easy to point the finger at. What I always feel about any Kyle cheating shit is show me the pictures. Show me the evidence. This is a man who's apparently out in public. So take pictures. Mm -hmm. Why are there no images? Absolutely. Like, Wait, did you watch the Potomac reunion, by the way, Tina? Yes, because the back of the head. I, the back of the head. I was like, where is the photo of Car- the Show back of Karen's head? Show me the yeah. photo. I want to see this this blue man or whatever they call yeah. him. I yeah, forget. whatever they call him, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, I love when people come to the table with receipts. That's the only way yeah. that you can get away it with it. It just feels like if it's a celebrity, you would have, because you're in a public, they're, they're claiming he's in public places or they're seeing him. Yeah. Take a picture. Like... That is true. That's where I get like he's easy to he's easy to um, condemn for that and very right. likely to be hey, believed. He's got a friggin' mullet. You would identify him from a bar no matter where he and was. Back of his head, and no any problem. Angle, I'm, easy. I'm sprinting easy. to him directly. <laughs> I'm running. On a list. <laughs> Please, no. I'm sorry, well, but you can have him. It's fine. Julia's running her fingers through that that <laughs> oh, blonde yeah. mullet. Yeah, listen, <laughs> I love a mullet. Long, we, we can get into that too on an episode. At some you know, point, mullets. <laughs> yeah. Um, Speak, just, I gotta ask just briefly how we're all feeling about Summer House. I mean, this, listen, this podcast, we love Summer House. Like, we talk about it quite a lot. And I'm so curious because in my, from my point of view, we've come out of, last season was good, quarantine season, rough. Like, Mm. the, you know, this show, um, yes, this show found a lot of success, I would say, around season three, and then it's kind of been Mm -hmm. building, becoming a bigger show, like, more of a mainstay of Bravo ever since. Yeah. Um. But I just think it's like we're at an interesting juncture where we have this some original cast members, we have some brand new cast members, and it's kind of like, how does everyone fit together? So I'm curious, both of y'all's thoughts on how you're feeling about this season so far. We need more men in the cast. That is like the, you know, that's the missing piece for this Mm -hmm. season. I think it's great. I do love the energy that the new girls are bringing and seeing all of the different dynamics, but I'm still very much like if Maya's boyfriend would have joined this cast and I know that they're no longer together, but like, oh, that would have been such good TV. I feel like if you're on the show and your significant other is also staying in the Hamptons for the weekend, like, come on. I think my thing at this point is that we have like three different groups and they're all kind of fragmented to a degree. You have the the OGs who are over it. They don't want to be there anymore. They're married or on the verge of marriage. They are tired. They are half of them sober or trying to be. They just, they're doing this because it's their job and that's the energy it's giving. And mm-hmm. then you have the, the I don't know what you'd call them, the like, the, the new school OGs, which are the yeah. Paige, the Maya, and the Sierra, who we love, but they are primarily in bed all the time. <laughs> yeah, and like second generation. Chilling, because yeah. they're all like either in relationships or whatever. And then you have the newbies, who I don't think, I don't even know the guy's name. I don't feel like he's working yet. He's not making Chris. sense to me. Chris. Yeah. And then the girls are interesting, but it all they feel very separate, very young, and very like, down and they're just like kind of always surrounding Kyle at like party time being like we're here to party and everyone else is kind of like it just feels very fragmented and I'm ready for this Danielle Lindsay Car- that this rocket needs to take off 
Like, this is what we came for. Let's get into this because this will, I mean, this is going to change. And I wonder if we'll see Carl and Lindsay return. I do I really do. Think I don't think so either. And I think that's okay. It is okay because from, and, and here's the thing. Again, these are my friends. Like, we've all formed <laughs> an emotional attachment mm-hmm. to these people. Like, I will be sad when any member of that original cast departs but i just feel like the way the cast is structured the way the premise of the show is um i find myself yearning for the days when we saw you know carl hustling at his little sales job at at the the dental job whatever the heck that was and then you know (laughs) we see him you know commuting in his suit and then out on the weekend we see Lindsay running hub house and then out on the weekend like that was kind of the thesis of the show and we're losing that a little bit because we have Lindsay and carl who are you know like making a career as public personas and then we have 25 year old girls on there who like Mm -hmm. do make sense in a summer share house but not with these people i i have to disagree that i don't think it's going to be their last season look i think i think i'll have a stronger call on it by by the end of this current season just seeing how the danielle drama plays out but Bravo has never once shied away from a wedding. So the fact that they're going to have a wedding, I feel like that could be their last season, next season. They're going to have, yeah. Bravo would maybe like pay for their wedding. I don't know. Like, yeah. so there is something there that I think that will keep the cameras rolling until they're, you know, married off. I don't think they'll be asked to leave. I think they'll choose to go. Yeah. I don't think Bravo would survive. I think Carl is done. And I think we see him get, we see like clips of him being really like, no, 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 no more camera. Yeah. Like I'm at, like he just, there's nothing he get, he would have to be bound to it financially, yeah. which could be the case. But I think if they return it is simply due to fine. I don't think they need the spotlight anymore. Lindsay might want it, but I don't know if it's there for them. I think, I think they would choose to go. I do not think Bravo would, would have them go. Yeah. I would think that, Honestly, if they do come back for next season, they would need to bring like their own friend of the show on to the cast, like Paige has been doing mm, for years. They need an right? ally. Yeah. They need an ally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They I, do. Because they're really on an island at this point. Danielle's yes. only got left. Yeah. We, oh, yeah. And honestly, I know we're all preemptively heartbroken for whatever happens between Danielle and Lindsay. I mean, I'm not. It just, I'm thrilled. Oh my okay, god! And speak on I'm just ex- I'm excited for I just ex- I'm just excited for Danielle to finally break. I think it's a really bad relationship for Danielle. I don't think she gets. I truly don't think she gets a lot out of it. And I think she's just yeah. always been so down for Lindsay to the point where she's lost her own identity in the house frequently. Even though mm. she's probably one of my favorite characters just as a human, but she's yeah. not yeah. compelling. And I think just she'll in, I don't want, I'm not, I don't, I'm not feeling joy for their friendship breaking up, but I am yeah. excited that Danielle's having a bit of an awakening about how one-sided the friendship has been, at least from what we can see. Yeah. From, from what we can see. Right. I just feel like there's deeper things there that I don't know. I, I am a little bit more pro Lindsay and Carl than these two. I just think that they are, there is like a compatibility there. I do think that they make an interesting couple. Do I think that they're moving fast? Yes. But also at their age and with the history of their relationship, it makes sense to me. But, um, It's sad. Like I liked, I really liked Danielle and Lindsay's friendship. Like when they were, when they had the little like three amigos going on, that was like so fun to watch. 
Yeah. So to I, see it crumble is like is sad for me, especially like Julie, you're saying like they're, they're the OGs, like they carried yeah. this show for a while. So mm-hmm. but, you know, hopefully it'll make for a really interesting season to watch. And I think <laughs> it will. I think it will. I just think um, to me, a lot could be solved by having an Austin Kroll type who is like Carl's old buddy or Kyle's exactly. old yes. buddy. Totally. That's who we need. Kind of a, a guy who's goofy. Corey. Dramatic. Yes, we need Corey. Honestly, yes. we need Corey. Where's Corey? Where is Corey? I think Corey will. I don't know. He'll, Actually, he definitely will. We on. think we kind of know he does come on from but either visuals or we've seen the yeah. Instagram pictures of him, of him with other cast members from this season of Summer House. This is no disrespect to Chris as a person, but he doesn't really make a ton of sense in the cast. And it does feel no. like he's isolated in there. So I like, mm-hmm. yeah. We Who needed... is he friends with? Who is his in? Kyle, allegedly. I don't yeah, know if I. No. It's forced. They it's don't, very forced. I don't, do they ever talk? I feel like I've never even seen them talk on camera. They on the just show. went and played yeah. drunk Jenga at a oh, brewery yeah. or something together. But like, still, it was very forced. I mean, and even on the show, they're acknowledging there are not enough men, and so yeah. the weirdness of Kyle and Carl. Like, we need even like, not to say something crazy, but I'd even take a Luke right now. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, oh, that's not crazy at all. I miss oh, Luke. I'm sick of him, yeah. but <laughs> oh no, give but me I'm a like, hot, we need that. hockey player. We need, that. We need yeah. because there does. I'll say this: the show's at its best when there's some romantic tension yes. in the house. Yes, it yes. Needs to and there's be none of it in right now. The house, not at whatever Hampton bar we're going to. It needs to be no. in that cupboard. Okay? Yeah. In the pantry. In the cupboard. Oh, yes. Andrea. Oh, yeah. It was nice having him. It was nice I having know. him. That was a nice episode. I, I, I love him. Mm-hmm. I think I he's love still that... around for the next, I think. Should be a good season. So. It should. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited to see what happens. I It's a comfort show for me, so, you know, I'm mm-hmm. always in. Big but... time. Mm-hmm. Same. This episode of D-Girls, we're focusing on the revenge of the bimbo, or bimbo's revenge. The bimbo is an archetype in society that's typically a conventionally attractive woman who is not seen for her wits or her cleverness, and instead is typically objectified, demoralized, and treated a little inhumane when it comes to the public eye, paparazzi, social media, etc. Um, so we all were uh, tasked with bringing a bimbo of choice to the table and who we would like to defend and seek justice for. So, D-girls, what's a bimbo? I, I mean, the first what came to mind, of course, is dumb and hot, right? Yeah. That feels like the quick... And so I Googled it just to be like, okay, Merriam-Webster, what do you say? And it, it said, um, an attractive but unintelligent or frivolous young woman is the description I found. So I was like, right, dumb and hot. That makes yep. total sense. It also feels like kind of a retro term in a way. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like a 50s term. Um, but like, <laughs> like bimbos and cool dudes, I don't know. But it <laughs> does kind of remind me of the pink song stupid girls do, mm. do y'all remember that Where, yes um which is something that probably warrants its own deep dive but kind of a send-up of all these girls where she was like oh you're just objectifying yourself and you're stupid you're acting stupid for the public um and so bimbo just makes me think of public figures that we've been presented with who are who we're told are kind of no more than 
their body, their beauty, um, but and they're stupid. Yeah, it's like the foil to the pick me girl, right? As yes. like being like, I'm not like other girls who are stupid and dumb. Um, I'm cool, right? And I think it's also interesting that bimbo has now become like an identity that Gen Z has has like mm-hmm. vo- has claimed like a badge of honor and i think that that whole like persona of acting stupid while being really hot to then like manipulate your way into power is such an interesting theme in the female experience like across mm-hmm. cultures so yeah. we have all come into this episode with a bimbo of choice that we would like to present and defend and uh, you know, as we were brainstorming for this episode and the theme, we had all just come off of watching the Pamela documentary, which if you haven't watched is so, so good. Um, immediately. And it's truly like, and it also, it's like fascinating and it also like really lifts you up by the end of it. So can't recommend that enough. Um, and her trajectory in the public eye was very similar to who I think is maybe one of the most iconic um, and biggest bimbos of all, which is Paris Hilton, uh, who, you know, was the first, the OG influencer. Um, She she truly was the first one to be self-documenting herself and putting it out there for the public to just feast on. And she obviously was well known for her high-pitched vocal fry voice that's hot, um, slipping. Um, <laughs> and wow! It's, it was her. It was her thing. It was her signature. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she was really famous just for being famous, which had never been done before. Um, she was just uh, kind of a socialite, right? Born into a very rich family, um, and then was. In New York City as a teen, going to clubs, she was one of the first people to really um, tolerate or not even tolerate, but just get bombarded by paparazzi in a way Mm -hmm. that celebrities have now become accustomed to, now have a security detail and all of this. Like she was with Britney, she was with Lindsay, she was with Nicole Richie, Mm -hmm. she was with her sister. And, you know, these girls were just going out there in little to no clothes, being photographed every day and being torn apart by magazines and online blogs, you name it. And I'm curious, what was your first... When did you first meet Paris? Like, what's your first memory of Paris Hilton? I think that, my, so my cousin had Stars Are Blind as her ringtone. Iconic. Yeah, and I, I'm sure. <laughs> Incredible. I'm sure I was aware of Paris prior to that. Um, but that's just like an early memory I have. I was definitely a teen magazine fiend, um, and I was actually super into Kelly Osbourne during oh. this era of time, and I was very into, like, the girls on the street in, like, L.A. stuff, and, like, that was very Paris. So I, I just envision her in her, like, mini, mini skirts and her halter tops and, of course, the juicy tracksuit. So I think for me, I do think the juicy tracksuit also was a really big um, point mm-hmm. of entry as well because they were everywhere and I wanted one. I never had one. Um, I'm fine. Um, but it, I think like, I think it was more, it was, it was the photos. It was the paparazzi images. It was the teen magazines that, that really was my intro to Paris. 
Totally. And like then she began her show, The Simple Life. I mean, she was mm. getting attacked by paparazzi casually and people were like, what is she famous for? Right. That there's that whole South Park bit that she's on and someone's like, what does she do? What does she do? And there's no answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so then she goes on The Simple Life. Right. And it's her and Nicole Richie and they get thrown into these like blue collar jobs right working on a farm or working at a fast food restaurant and they're you know playing the part of being these pretty privileged white girls who have never had to work a day in their life and don't know how to work right totally um and so it was hilarious i remember watching them and as like a young girl being like yeah they are stupid but like it was so funny to laugh at them. You know, we're like, uh, we're developing. I don't even like know what age I was when I was watching that, but too young probably to be seeing like women treated like that. And uh, then she just goes on to do a bunch of reality shows. Then she like loved it so much. There was the My New BFF, Paris. Did you guys Mm. watch that? Why? I oh, it. I remember it, but I didn't right? watch it, I don't think. Yeah. It was like The Apprentice, but for yeah. Paris Hilton's yeah. best friend. Well, because keep in mind, her first ever, like assistant was Kim Kardashian. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but anyway, we, we know she's she's done like a million shows now. She has that cooking one on Netflix that was very recent. And she just she released um, a documentary back in 2020 that was super powerful. And that's where... I really got, like, everyone got to see kind of under the hood, right? Of, mm-hmm. like, this persona that she has crafted over the years. Um, you know, the public, like, really, they really enjoyed tearing her down. As a teenager, mm-hmm. by the way. Yeah. Like, a very, very young woman who had just been thrown into the spotlight and honestly thrived despite all circumstances. Let us not forget, though, especially in terms of the bimbo, the, the sex tape of it Ex- all. Right, exactly. And the way the media felt entitled to comment on a young woman's sexuality mm-hmm. um, when it was against her will to have it right. released publicly. There totally. was such a narrative that she released that herself. Like, to this day, I think people believe that. And... Yeah. I, she did not. I mean, I, I obviously believe her when she says, I mean, it, it's a horrible, it's a crime against a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's in, mm-hmm. by an old man, mind you. Yeah. So she was 19. Is, yeah. And, and I just always go, we're used to seeing hypersexualized 19 year olds in the public eye. Think about yourself at 19 for the love of God. I mean, that's just a child. This was a act of, you know, horror committed against her exactly then she was blamed for for many many more years the one thing about paris was like i just really always like what i was trying to get at is she always rolled with the punches in a way that so many people wouldn't um Mm -hmm. like she still like put herself back out there went on different shows like just kept being in the public eye despite having like all of her boundaries crossed so much of so much of her privacy was invaded and um we then like only find out through this doc and through her advocacy work that so much of this persona the high-pitched voice playing dumb playing the dumb blonde who just like basically puts her body out there for display was a coping mechanism for the abuse that she endured at the provo 
school for like troubled teens, which is this mm-hmm. whole network of programs across the country who take in these troubled teens, whatever that means, with parents who can't manage their kids or their kids are really acting out and rebelling. And they put them in these environments where adults are in charge and adults who like enjoy abusing and like torturing kids. It's yeah. it's nasty what she has revealed, how she was treated. She was placed in solitary confinement, was given exams by these adults. She was showering and being watched by both men and women staff. Um, just at, at, you know, this was from like 15 to 18. These is, and this taken is where, from her home in the middle of the night. Oh my God. Yeah, I didn't even mention being kidnapped and watching mm-hmm. her parents just standing at the bedroom door crying uh-huh. and her saying, help me, help me. And them not doing anything. And her having no context of where she was going. It's like that kind of trauma, no matter who you are, will forever alter your brain chemistry. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she had to put up this this charade, right? This, this mask of this is Paris Hilton and that's hot. It mm-hmm. just goes back to like she wanted, she needed so desperately for someone else to kind of take the brunt of what life was throwing at her so she could protect who she was deep down. Um, it, it was so powerful in the doc too, where she was like, I was on the simple life pretending I didn't know how to clean a floor and I had been scrubbing floors yeah. at the school, but I knew I needed to, she was so aware. She's like, I knew it, the people thought I was a rich, dumb bitch. Yeah. And so I knew I had to give them rich, dumb bitch. Exactly. And I mean, incredibly incredible. Yeah, it was like her uh, her roommates, right? Because she got together with all of these mm-hmm. all of these people who had also endured this abuse, and they they were making all those jokes where it was like, "We were cleaning every single day." I know you knew what a sponge was. I know that you knew what Walmart was. That Walmart wasn't a place that sold wall things. <laughs> so like, yeah, it's just it's incredible. And when you actually like you. There's all these deep dive interviews on her now as like a grown adult. She's gone through a lot. She even just passed that. She's been in abusive relationships as an adult and now coming out the other side. She is just so smart. She's so deeply smart and like has a fascinating interest. Like she's like she loves to scrapbook. She collects like old radios. She's like fascinated by just like vintage devices. It's like. Just things that you would never be like, Paris Hilton, like playing yeah. with an old timey radio, like my brain does not compute um, because she's just such a multifaceted person. And I think she's just the ultimate bimbo who deserves to enact her revenge on society, however she sees fit. Yeah. The way that she was just <laughs> chewed up and spat out, but still managed to make like millions of dollars is so impressive to me. I just think she's incredible. I mean, look. She, has she done and said some things that are questionable? Absolutely. Has mm-hmm. she, I think she allegedly voted for Trump? Yikes. Don't, <laughs> well, she's don't like, love. He's like a family, like family yeah. friend. Like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then, you know, yeah. anyone who, I mean, Kathy Hilton is your mom. Kathy and Michael so. Jackson too. Uh, right. Buddy, buddy. A lot of the, muddy waters there in the old Hollywood of it all. Yeah. So, which yeah. is probably because that level of wealth is like just gonna be morally bankrupt, yeah, no matter what. Different planet. Yeah. Yeah. But exactly. She is so interesting because she has like 
a very legitimate business empire, <laughs> like yeah. her fragrance lines, like everything. She obviously has a ton of business savvy, but she, and she is someone who just like played the game. Like she figured out what the game was. She figured out she had like the privilege and means to play it. Uh, and she played it expertly. She's the, absolutely. Um, what is that chess girl? The you Queen's know. Gambit. Queen's She's Gambit. The Queen's Gambit of, yes. of bimbos and business. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, she did pave the way for the Kardashians who are, you know, you could argue a whole family of bimbos seeking revenge Wait, on capitalistic that's a, world. That's the counterpart podcast to Pillows and Beer is Bimbos and Business. Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. I love that. I think. Yes. Also a great time to point out, like, again, bimbo is an archetype, right? Like, we're not, yeah. like, attacking anyone's personhood. It's, like, no. bimbo's an archetype, slut's an archetype, bitch is an archetype. Like, you can mm-hmm. find a lot of public figures who fall into those categories. And it's Absolutely. interesting, yeah, to kind of discuss them through that lens. Um, yeah, it's interesting to, like, like I said, look back and be like, oh, as a kid, I was definitely, like pointing and laughing and now as like a grown woman i see that and i'm like you know you look at the Marylands, you look at the pam andersons and yep. you go at the dolly partons you yep. go they saw the game and they said if i'm gonna be a pawn let me be the queen right yeah. like let me yeah. be a part of it and be making my own moves and i just have so much respect for for all bimbos to be honest because it's so hard being a woman and and uh, you got to do what you got to do at the end of the day. So I yeah. love Paris. I do, too. I got to be honest. I, I, was, I was just such a, like a child who like loved pink, loved sparkly things, like mm-hmm. loved all that stuff. And so her whole aesthetic, her whole life, I've always resonated with. Yeah, I mean, it's femininity as like a high art to the yes. point where it's almost like drag. You yes. know, like it totally. is just, yeah. 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 She is. Yeah. She is playing drag. I mean, because she has a different voice. She got her high pitch, then she got really, like, her yeah. normal. It's a persona. Yeah. Yep. The ultimate yeah. persona. We all love Paris. Um, we all love London. Milan. No, I'm kidding. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that's funny. I like it. <laughs> so <laughs> let's move on to bimbo number two. Julia, who are you? seeking justice for all right behind door number two we have heidi montag the one the only yes ma'ams i would say similar era to paris a little bit later you know Mm -hmm. she's coming in Mm -hmm. so obviously we first meet heidi montag on the hills um she is bubbly she is party girl energy she's main character lauren conrad's kind of like sidekick in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um and then what we see from there is oh no heidi becomes the villain of the entire Ooh. hills franchise <laughs> oh no yes. oh right? no her villain era yeah her villain era she famously couples with spencer pratt who we, I mean, we gotta hand it to him. One of reality television's best villains. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, mm. he's just categorically unhinged, mm. oh. <laughs> maniacal. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I will say, and as much as I hate to involve a man in anything, I, <laughs> you know, Heidi and Spencer are are a true couple. They're so intertwined. I'm gonna be bringing Spencer up. You know, 
quite yeah. heavily. And it ha- I mean, it's his Inevitably. fault, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think we can all agree it's kind of his fault. So, well, and hey, we'll get into that. Um, so, again, we meet Heidi as, like, a really, a, a person who was great for television, I gotta say. I don't know, you know, if anyone can think back to those early seasons of The Hills, but once again, Heidi, you can tell, she was playing the game. Mm-hmm. And she admits that freely now. She's like, producers wanted me to do something. I'm doing it. Like, she felt so happy and lucky to be on that show. She was like, we're taking this rocket to the moon. <laughs> and you can tell. Because I got to be honest, Lauren Conrad, she came into the hills with a very guarded energy. She had a yes. lot of walls up. Because just Laguna Beach, I have to imagine, intense experience. Reality TV still is new. So people are... People yes. are getting personal, right? There are no rules. There are no rules. No rules. We all think it's real. We all think it's completely factual. Mm. So Heidi was just great TV. I think I'll speed along. Basically, she got into this relationship with Spencer. Spencer Pratt. He had previously done the Kings of Malibu. I mean, this man is really like showbiz savvy. <laughs> Sorry, princes of Malibu. I should be sued for, for <laughs> flubbing that. It's princes of Malibu. Um, so Spencer's also someone who's like, I'm playing the game. I know what I'm doing. I know what you want to see. I will deliver that, whatever it is. They get together. They have a friendship breakup. One of the most, I would say, infamous friendship breakups of Lauren Conrad and Heidi Montag. Also over sex tape. Big, big time for sex tapes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, fortunately one we like never saw. One that was never made public. It was just a rumored sex tape featuring Lauren and her boyfriend at the time. Right. Um, was it real or was it part of the script? I gotta be honest, I've consumed an alarming amount of media related to like the hills, like all these rewatch podcasts that are coming out. I still don't know the true story of what happened here, but mm. we do know that Heidi and Spencer were blamed for leaking rumors of the tape for Spencer, you know, had some really, I believe, graphic comments to the press about the contents of the tape it was just like an ugly situation caused a huge eruption they became the villains of the show they became the villains in the public eye i would say for a lot of that like spidey they became spidey huge paparazzi fixtures they then i will say two things kind of happened number one heidi got a ton of plastic surgery just like to a level that wasn't safe um, well, that was still while she was on the hills, right? It's all televised. Not the yeah. actual surgeries, but her sure. her new appearance, her family's reaction. It's honestly all very heartbreaking for numerous reasons. Um, the other thing that happened was people, people hated Spidey because they were so transparent about their desire for fame. Yeah. Like, they were like, yes, we want to be famous. We want to be in the public eye. We will continue to go to any length to do so. And people hated that. And that's something that I find interesting because is that so different than anyone else? Yeah, <laughs> you know they're just honest about it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only, the only thing they're doing is saying it plainly. And people don't like that. And I think it's because it feels um, embarrassing. Like, it feels like they're kind of crying out for the thing we all want love and attention we all want to feel Mm -hmm. important and special and they said (laughs) it and we hated that at the time (laughs) (laughs) 
So you can't be saying that stuff. You can't. So be we still. That. It's. So, I mean, at that time, also really unprecedented. Now we definitely see it a little bit more with public figures, right. but and we still don't really like it because for no. some reason I think we still want to have the suspension of disbelief, even with reality, a little bit. Yes. But yeah, they were OGs of being like, "Is this so wrong?" <laughs> we're, yeah, we're we're thirsty, and we'll tell you about yeah. it. And I, <laughs> yeah, it's funny that we are a society crying out for transparency and authenticity, but we hate yeah. it actually because we want yeah. a little distance and mystery from the people that we pick apart. We don't want well to feel as close to them as like yeah. We want to hear what we want to hear. Exactly. We want the exactly. truth if it's only if it's what we like. <laughs> yes. Exactly. So an interesting thing, Heidi and Spencer, these past couple of years have really been like. Having a, a lot of media opportunities, I would say, to share their side of the story. Um, the, one of the bigger things that I think happened to Heidi that was less fair, because Heidi's not, you know, she's not innocent. She just recently recounted uh, on the Hills Rewatch podcast, she recently recounted how she broke up with her boyfriend on TV, like, for the show he had no clue what was happening he walked into the room and she ambushed him with a breakup like she was in cahoots with the production team <laughs> oh my god this level of fame again was like this whole the way the fame machine was working i would say kind of unprecedented this like the paparazzi the tabloid culture like the reality is it real is it fake so heidi got offered all of that plastic surgery for free <gasps> yeah she started oh, wow. with That'll a do breast. It yes. Yikes. Initially, she got a breast augmentation. She says that she's she had always wanted huge boobs since she yeah. was a child. Which because what you know. year? This is like 2010. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, she was. I do remember that her being like so adamant that she has huge knockers, and she <laughs> talked to her parents about it. Right. Yeah. She and that started. You know, on the earlier seasons, we like um, saw her boobs grow <laughs> we saw yeah. she had a rhinoplasty like hair extensions things were happening changes in her appearance and then when she was only 23 years old 2010 you're right um she had like a ton like upwards of 10 major surgeries that shouldn't wow. have happened all at once it was extremely dangerous she almost died oh my god and she has been able to now so at the time she was made fun of she lost career opportunities. I'm not yeah. saying that, like, obviously we all have a lot of complicated thoughts over plastic surgery. It's not as simple as just, like, it's everyone's choice. Like, of course it has social yeah. ramifications. Totally. So with just, like, the sheer volume of plastic surgery that she got at one time, she has openly admitted now. She's like, I would not have gotten all of that if it wasn't offered to me for free. That's for sure. Mm-hmm she it was just kind of like handed to her on a platter and she was like sure and obviously yeah i don't know who knows what i'd look like if you gave it to me for free my lips would touch my nose and probably hit my chin <laughs> like i mean it would be not cute yes for and free right <laughs> and also just a doctor that you think you can trust kind of telling you like mm -hmm. we can do all of this and you'll look like mm -hmm. you always wanted to look oh yeah selling the dream yeah it's just wild. And so she says now, she's like, obviously wouldn't have done it. She said she's happy with everything now, which thank goodness. Um, but she also says she truly lost out on a couple of years of career opportunities because she was open about it. And this is what I think is interesting. She was transparent about it. And I would say better than not being transparent about it. Yes. But she was so ridiculed for that. Um, so I think like 
a lot of what we saw was just was a woman who did play the game and then the game got out of control and Mm -hmm. the game had real life there was no rules to the game yet no yes (laughs) no there were no games yes i agree (laughs) you know she was just flat like there's these are the people who kind of built the blueprint for what it means to become a reality tv star and what that looks like and like i mean we still to this day watch people's faces morph and change on reality TV shows over the course of seasons because they get offered the, like this is become the way it is but Heidi's at the one of the earliest eras of it. Yeah, I mean she was basically like a guinea pig for like mm-hmm. botched. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like of course mm-hmm. plastic surgery has been a part of our culture for much longer than the media has shown it but like to see someone go through it and get bad results in the public mm-hmm. eye mm-hmm. was something that had never been truly documented in the way that it has through Heidi. Yeah. And so there is this scene, again, I've watched The Hills, I hate admitting these things so many times through, so many times through. It's another comfort show for me. Um, The scenes with her mother, where she flies home, her mom sees this new appearance. It's, it is startling because it's Mm -hmm. so different from the Heidi we were used to. Right. And her mom is basically like, I don't like it. I think you looked better before. Heidi has now told us the real story of that, which is she said, Mom, I'm not I'm not going to film with you unless you're positive. I don't, I can't, I'm very fragile. I just survived a near-death experience. I don't want to film, I don't want to do this with you if you're going to be negative. And I believe her mother was probably, you know, produced, heavily produced, like the whole situation, but yeah. it really did. It caused a major family rift. It broke Heidi's heart. She's still, I think you can hear when she talks about it in interviews, like she's very traumatized by that. Of course. Um, of yeah, course. Who, who would it be? I would, yeah. first of all. I would who? dissipate in the moment. Oh my I would God. Yeah. float away. I think also, let's not bring our mothers on television. Agreed. <laughs> Can't be doing that. So she had this quote that I found to be like very poignant where she felt like all of this tabloid criticism and just like open, just a heyday. Um, yeah. She felt like people were saying, oh, it's Heidi. Like, I'm not a human anymore. They, like, they felt like she was fine to attack without any Mm. semblance of her humanity. So Mm. I just thought that was very, like, indicative of maybe her lowest part of her journey, where the hype from the hills was fading out. Oh, it was inhumane, Um, the treatment of Heidi. Yes. Um, And she also has some kind of really insightful things to say about beauty standards and just like she said she went on Rachel Bilson's podcast and she said um about kind of young people on social media you need to maybe stop looking at Instagram or stop looking and comparing yourself to other people it's just gonna leave you miserable no matter what you're not supposed to be other people you're not supposed to see how everyone's living and what they're doing and what their lives are like yeah. We talk about that all the time. Yes. About how mm. we have way too much exposure to like billions of people. And we were never yeah. meant to know. We were never meant to yeah. know this much. No. And no. what I do find interesting, someone who was part of the genesis of us knowing everyone else's lives, having that opinion is always so interesting to me. Because mm-hmm. she, she was part of this like, let's peek into other people's lives. Like she was at the forefront of that. And now she's kind of saying like, yeah, we were not ever supposed to know this much and see this much. Um, 
So anyways, this brings us to the revenge part, okay? Yes. <laughs> so, she really went went through it in those um, mid aughts, two thousand tens, I would say. Uh, and again, not not a perfect human. Who is? Since like the I'm call her daddy. I have mixed feelings about that podcast, but it's platform for many. She went on that. She really like laid out her story um, mm-hmm. in this kind of brand new way, in a way where a lot of people are going, "Oh, I never knew this about Heidi Montag." I think that was an act of revenge, personally. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I think the most poignant act of revenge thus far has been that she joined the cast of the podcast Was It Real? The Hills Rewatch Podcast. I love um, it. Because when all these rewatch podcasts were happening Spencer and Heidi were kind of like what? Like they were like let us in. We have things to say. <laughs> and I did feel like honestly I listened to the podcast it's Brody Jenner, Frankie Delgado Adrena Patridge and like I will say Heidi Heidi was needed. Heidi, Heidi I was going to say, some of the most, like, even-tempered, kind of boring voices yeah. on that show to host yeah. a podcast. Heidi was invited into season two, and she has come in hot. She's come in with details, with information, with a lot of, with a lot of information. Oh, my so, God. Yeah, it's really now a very fun listen. She doesn't hold anything back. And I think, to me... Good or bad, love or hate him, her just being able to contribute to the truth of what her story was, that's revenge to me. Yes. I mean, it's getting the record straight, right? It's like taking the mic back. Mm-hmm. I love that for her, and she deserves it. I just think that, I mean, she has she ever been able to tell her own story? It's always been produced through other people's stories or cameras she's always been the sidekick she's always been you know spencer's girlfriend or wife it's like her story has always been kind of tied to other people so to see her in this new era speaking up for herself is i'm all here for it absolutely and of course like what aired of her and spencer's relationship on the hills inarguably extremely toxic were they devising that themselves maybe still doing harm so there's you know a lot to unpack there but as someone we grew up with kind of archetypical bimbo someone who did not get the chance to set the record straight she finally now has that chance so i would say revenge is enacted now tina i'd love to toss it to you for our last bimbo of the day okay our final bimbo i will say it So listening to both of you talk about your bimbos has been incredible. I will say the thing about my bimbo is this is a bimbo that is still kind of almost in her villain era. She has not yet exited into revenge era yet. She's the youngest of these bimbos. She has been in the limelight the shortest amount of time of these bimbos. So we're going to kind of evaluate from a different lens here Mm -hmm. um, on, on this bimbo. But before I begin... I would like for everyone first to take a moment and think about who they were at 21 years old. Envision 21-year-old Delaney, 21-year-old Julia. I personally was about to enter the most toxic relation of my life that would continue (laughs) for seven years. (laughs) I personally was the dumbest I've ever been. Um, (laughs) Julia, what were you like at 21? Oh, sad. (laughs) (laughs) Really sad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Delaney? 
I was so lost. I was so lost at that point. That was junior going into senior year of college. And I started at my first my first big relationship then, which was problematic. I wouldn't say full toxic, but yeah, I was impressionable and desperate for love and validation in a way that I look back on and I, ooh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, samesies, samesies. So with that, I introduce to you my bimbo number three, Catherine Calhoun Dennis. Oh, yes. Our redheaded queen. <laughs> yes. So before I get into Catherine, I want to note that I'll be talking about Catherine in the earliest seasons of the show. I recently just rewatched seasons one through, I'm actually back on season six now, but I, I did watch <laughs> one through four to talk about Catherine. In recent years, there have absolutely been public incidents of racism and bullying that have come to light with Catherine that are, I am not going to justify here, even a little bit. Mm-hmm. But these are going to be kind of the years leading up to um, all of that and up to the announcement of her departing the franchise, oh, which happened earlier this year. I'm still sad. Um, I know it's kind of a bummer, but it's interesting to look back on kind of who she was and who Catherine is now. Yeah. So the other big thing about Southern Charm and the big layer to add onto the bimbo conversation with Catherine specifically is that you're doing bimbo in the South. Mm. And so you're oh. dealing with purity culture mm-hmm. at a really hefty level. Yep. And you're also dealing with the good old boys club energy yeah. at an aggressive level. Mm-hmm. And so in those earliest seasons, we're seeing 21 year old Catherine come into this world, impressionable, young, eager for love. And you have a man who's on a reality show. Catherine was certainly not a cast member at the start of the show. The first time she's ever mentioned is by Thomas saying she could be an ideal mate for him ahead of his political campaign. (laughs) This man at the time is 50 years old. She's 21. And let me just give you a twinge of PTSD as I remind you, he kept saying, she's the scion of two great great political (laughs) families in the South. (laughs) Honestly, season one was so cursed of that show. So crazy. I mean, when you watch it, it's, I am a recent watcher to Southern Charm, so yes. I watched it in very recent past. And so to go back to a season that aired in 2014 and watch the main characters be in their 50s, essentially, <laughs> no. and to, like it's great, kooky crazy. But the reality is the Thomas Ravenel and Catherine Dennis relationship are the first three seasons of this show. Yes. Yeah. I don't know what anyone would have talked about other than Shep being a drunk buffoon <laughs> otherwise. Like, that's all there was. But so the crazy thing... So Catherine is, is young. To me, immediately... Like, she immediately got the the condemnation of being not only a bimbo, but then trapping a man. Yeah. Gold well. digger. The, oh, mm-hmm, gold digger. Exactly. She had all these things laid on her. She was considered dumb, which I don't think she ever really proved herself to be dumb. She was certainly volatile, but I would yeah. also argue, rightfully so, Thomas was a lunatic and Whitney was an <laughs> asshole and she never had yes. a female on her side. Yes. Mm-hmm. Speak never. on it. Oh, Honestly. Yes. I mean, yes. she literally, all the women were so anti-Catherine because of that purity culture energy. I mm-hmm. mean, Cameron was horrible. Oh, horrible. Yeah. Horrible to her. So this young 21-year-old girl is having a baby with a man who is undoubtedly saying shit to her that he is not saying to everyone else. Mm-hmm. Then in front of everyone, he's calling her a liar. You've also got Whitney who does the same thing, claims... Uh, says, I wouldn't hook up with her. You think I'd hook up with her? I certainly didn't care about her. She's lying. He denies it. For years, he denies it. I mean, her existence is treated like 
she is the scum of the earth and she is irrelevant. And she's, meanwhile, still having a fucking child. Yeah. And then having another child, which Thomas plays a role in. This is a man who's not wearing a condom. He wants children. He says yeah. at one point when it, the paternity is questioned, he says, I'll do it just to check, but... I need, I'm essentially looking to produce an heir, and that so, that boy is mine. Oh, so God. It's, I mean, this is icky, and no one, not one person, ever, ever speaks a word in defense of Catherine until, until like, I believe, season two or three, Danny, no, when maybe. they're away, when they're in the no. Blue Ridge Mountains, um, yeah. Craig condemns Whitney for hooking up with Catherine and he's and and um, Whitney gets butt hurt about the fact that I would never care about her. And it isn't until then that Danny says, why is it that Thomas can act completely irrationally and the second Catherine does, she's crazy. I don't think it's okay. It's yes. almost the only time we hear anyone, especially a woman, defend Cat Landon. Essentially, season three Ooh, is just Landon, Landon versus Catherine. So is Gross. season four. Landon versus Catherine. Landon. I like Ooh. truly forgot Hate about Landon. Danny. Like, Danny was the only person on Catherine's side. And, like, she Ever. did burn that And not that a big, bridge, loud but, way. Yeah. Yes. The first three seasons are pretty hard to watch, Catherine. And even the moments where Catherine's, like, chasing after Thomas and shouting, I'm like, I don't blame her. Yeah. I don't no. think her actions, even with Whitney yelling at Whitney and calling him a, a nasty motherfucker because he took Thomas out to a, a strip club when she's nine months pregnant. I love that. Also, yeah. Also, he I she wants to. Thomas wants. Me. I know it's amazing. He is a nasty motherfucker. <laughs> like I don't yeah. care what you say. Like she's also again 21, 22. Like she's so young and being gaslit by everyone yeah. in her everyone. life. Of course she's gonna like lose it on someone because everyone keeps invalidating her literal existence while yeah. being like doing that weird like what Whitney does right where it's like oh I would never but then like wanting to fuck her so bad you know like just yep. the objectification of Catherine by all of the men in that world was like so gross just dripping yep. with misogyny and if anything those couple defenders of her on the male side are Craig and Shep Mm-hmm. They Craig yeah. early on kind of sucks, but then he he comes around and he really starts to kind of come to Catherine's defense, which then they're immediately like, oh, you're sleeping with her. And it's like, no, maybe I just actually think she's being unfairly treated. It is and, it is important to note, though, that Shep did sleep with her and Craig wanted to sleep with her. Like, again, yes. all of these and men. And Whitney did, too. Well, and and I mean, they Craig did. And, but like, Craig but, in season one says to her, you're you basically you're a whore. I didn't sleep with everyone at this table in the last two mm, weeks. That was Ooh, that was hard. Yeah, <laughs> it's brutal. It's brutal because it's like none of the men are getting condemned for the way. I mean, Shep is overtly a Lothario. That's like yeah. his whole storyline. <laughs> and then and Whitney and Thomas are being predators. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. And then one of the best examples of like the the kind of gaslighting that they do, and like a small small example is. Whitney wants Thomas, the seasons when Whitney's like, I primarily live in LA. And mm. Whitney wants Thomas to come out for the LA trip with the boys. Right. And Catherine is due in one week. And she she says, I need you here, Thomas. You're like literally all I have. Right. And 
And he get and Whitney's like, that's, I just think that's absolutely ridiculous. And Thomas is like, well, I can't go. Catherine says, he's like, oh, because Catherine says, your child is due in a week, sir. It could happen any moment. Your due date is just a guess, too. Yes. It's like that. Like she could go into labor in the next 24 hours. Like, yeah. you know. We're acting like this woman's being unreasonable. Yeah. <laughs> like having to beg a 50-year-old woman, I'm sorry, 50-year-old man to be present for the birth of his child yeah. is insane. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, and I want to just throw a couple quotes out, particularly from Landon at the season three reunion, just to really be clear. How oh, I'm not ready for cool. this. You're As not Landon ready. Landon was I vile. Landon oh, yeah. was I forgot truly... how oh, bad. No. Um, okay, here's one. You fucked everyone on this sofa. Here's another. <laughs> yeah, you've got talent on your back. <gasps> oh. And then the last one from that reunion specifically that really landed was, you used your womb to be on television. <gasps> womb. Not the womb. Yeah. Leave yeah. the womb out of this. And yeah. then in previous seasons, I mean, Whitney has called her a feral, wild girl. Oh, um, yeah. Patricia, who I do love, was horrible to Catherine. Oh, absolutely. Said she yeah. had psychotic episodes. I mean, it, the treatment of Catherine's pretty unfair. And while I will never, ever condone, and I will totally validate that she has had some really not cool racist things pop up. Yeah. I will say that her bullying of people now is very likely a trauma response to what she was put through in this show. I, she did not, uh, she did not reveal herself and be, she was not this. She was very much like kind of soft sweet and, and soft and, yeah, I don't, she did not come across as hyper calculating. I think she was truly a young woman who got the attention of a man who was a pu- public figure and ha- yeah. was on a TV show. Powerful. And inevitably, yeah, and inevitably was hearing things from him. He has a beautiful home. I mean, it, it, very easy to get wrapped up in all of this. So I do think that, I mean, unfortunately, the firing seems to come on the heels of um, you know, everyone's saying that like she was no show all the time. They weren't liking mm. her behavior. She was asked to leave. And that does generally come from a building of resentment for the life in the world you've built. She's become a villain at this point. Um, yeah. And there's really no redeeming her. She's really tried to, and she's tried to learn and grow, um, certainly. But I think we've, we're still very much not yet at the point where we have seen the revenge or evolution of Catherine. But I do think leaving the show will change that. I do think she is a great mother. I mean, we in yeah. season four, we go into the era of condemning her for her addiction issues. Mm. We we throw in her face that she had to go to rehab. We throw in her face that she's not passing drug tests and that Thomas now has the kids, which everyone kind of blames her for. Mm. Um, it's really kind of an ugly, sad thing to look at. And I, I think we they were all super unfair. I think the women are the hardest thing to watch in those earliest seasons because they just hang her out to dry and they hate her. And I think they hate her because of the culture built around them. Yeah, definitely. You know, Landon, I mean, Landon deals with it within her divorce in a small way of feeling like a failed version of like the the good Southern wife or a good Southern woman. And, you know, I think it all gets taken out on Catherine in a way that she has no allies. Yeah. I think it's like an interesting product. I think that Catherine and Paris share this where it was like you were forced into this like box of like we're going to label you, 
you know, like Paris, we're going to label you um, party girl, rich, mm-hmm. like privileged, stupid. Um, and Catherine, like stupid, crazy, um, mm-hmm. like psycho gold digger. And then in order to cope with that, they said, oh, you want to see dumb? Oh, you want to see mm-hmm. crazy? Oh, I'll yeah. show you that as like a shield, mm-hmm. you know? Like right. they had to use that persona in order to get through all mm. of this like murky water of just people being mm-hmm. mean for no yeah. good reason, you know? I will say the best thing is the one there's one reunion where she's like, everyone thinks I'm a gold digger. You want to know what I got from him for Christmas? Face wash. And I was like, <laughs> incredible. Incredible. I, truly walking away, it's like the moral of the story is Thomas is a scumbag. Like that's, yeah. you know what I mean? I'm like, how have we not all... I mean, a known, a known... But Scum. never, like, I mean, just, never yeah. hung out to dry in the no, same way. No, they're obsessed with him. Yeah. They all, like, love him as a character. I mean, Patricia, I can, get, like, yeah, he's, like, like almost her age. Like, he's, <laughs> you know, kind of, like, of her era. I mean, but the, this, it's the Southern, the aggressively Southern nature, the aggressively Southern psychology, the good old boys club energy that is so heavy. And at one point, um, Catherine, finally, it was when JD and his wife are separating and mm. all the girls are single. It's, like... They call it the breakup brunch or the breakup bunch or whatever. Yeah. And um in and Catherine's finally like, the good old boys club system is dying. Get used to it. And I'm like, Yeah. Yes. She has felt it. It's hung heavy on her. Cause in other shows, she would I mean, she'd sit alongside the Vanderpump Rules people just fine. And no oh. one would see her as any more of a villain than anybody else. No, her crazy doesn't even match up to Kristen going crazy. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, I mean, but we need, I mean, Southern Charm needed her those seasons. I mean, you needed that storyline big time. I think I remember because again, I'm kind of a late adopter to Southern Charm as well. Um, So watching that first season is a trip. I mean, you're like truly who made this and what is it? Um, (laughs) But the fact that, yeah, she was not an, a, a main cast member of that first season. So she has no confessionals. She has no interviews. Right. So you're right. seeing this no girl. No voice. No voice. I have to imagine it's more alarming from our 2023 lens than it would have been when it aired. But right. like, mm-hmm. hope, I mean, sadly, it should have been alarming then, but they aired it. Um, so we're watching this girl go through this absolutely unhinged like storyline with this old ancient man and like her pregnancy scare, everything. We're hearing not a peep of her perspective. We're hearing yep. it all filtered through Thomas. And that was absolutely wild. I root for her redemption. That's for sure. I, again, like, and I'm I think like, there's a lot of room for it from her. I do right. think she has to step away though. And listen, later season, she was very clearly produced kind of dropping the like Catherine's husband's cheating on her thing that quickly died. Cause Craig or Cameron, excuse me, Cameron's husband, she was cheating on her, which quickly died when Craig was like, no, yeah. Catherine, what are you saying this for? I think it had just become for her. I think she needs to go live an adult life with a fully formed brain now with outside of this series. And I yeah. think we can only then see from her kind of a little bit of an understanding and, you know, a step back from what it's been. And that's kind of what she says in her her departure. It hasn't always been easy, but I'm so lucky to have had reality cameras there capturing so many moments that I'll never forget and a few even that I'd like to. And through it all, the love you all have shown me um, not only gave me the strength I needed to tackle it all, but helped me realize that I wasn't alone. I'm so grateful. 
So that was part of her kind of departure Instagram. I think, I think, I hope we will see a more mature, more grown, more loving and kind, but also just, um, just someone who doesn't have like fight or flight happening for her Mm, so much totally all the time. You know, that's all so much of it was. I mean, it was survival mode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just trauma response. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what all of all of these women have endured incredible amounts of trauma. And Mm -hmm. I think it's just they're they are still successful in their own right, which I don't think everyone could say the same if they went through all of that scrutiny and just public Mm -hmm. like just pummeling, you know? Yeah. The era of this happening did impact, like, young women. When it's like this, we were, like, seeing people treated this way. It was a very slut-shamey, very not-sex-positive time. Oh, my God, Um, yeah. Like, even just the way that they dressed was constantly scrutinized in a way that our developing brains as, like, young teenagers, like, we just, we still don't even know the effects that it has on our self-image. Imagine... Imagine if these, the three of them just teaming up like the Avengers, wow. you know, just going out and <laughs> taking revenge on the misogyny of the world, you know? Oh. What a weird trio they'd be. Trio. So weird. Whoa, make that a word, even though trio is already a word, which <laughs> describes like three. Trio's more to the point. I like it. It is. It is. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I think, I think all in all, like, you know, grateful that we're in an era where people like Pamela and Paris and people are getting these documentaries or opportunities to speak out. Heidi being able to talk on podcasts now about kind of the truth of what her circumstance was. And I think we will see a lot more bimbo's revenge. I hope so. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of D girls. And we can't wait to see you on the next one. We won't see you, but you'll hear us and we won't hear you. But you'll hear us and we love you. Thanks for listening.